0: Welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline. I am Matthew Statler, and I'm here with Neil Grogan. And our topic today is trauma. We're going to seek to define it. We're going to talk about the experience of trauma, how um, the world defines trauma, how the Bible talks about trauma, and what trauma is um, uh, is like in in our lives and our in our experiences. So. Trauma, Neil, you have some, um, an illustration of a traumatic event.
1: Yeah, sure. Well, you know, personally, Matt, I have many experiences. <laughs> in, yes. Yeah. In this realm, right? Some, something we live in and, uh, and deal with. I think, uh, every human being on the face of the earth, from the minute they are born and maybe slapped on the bottom from the doctor experiences, uh, some form of variation of trauma. I think it's important to note that there's not one group that kind of has a monopoly on this uh, subject matter or this experience, right? So the experience varies, but it reminded me of when my wife and I were dating and she was uh, driving home from her her dad's house and it was really raining in the Fort, uh, Fort Worth, Texas area really hard. And she's on the highway, right? And she hydroplanes her car and spins... (laughs) <laughs> like on the highway, uh, by the grace of God, you know, recovers and, you know, makes it on her way um, and gets gets home. But the resulting factors from that event were she would get, she would sweat, she would get really nervous if it rained and we were driving. Um, and man, this went on for like years. Um, even, even fast forward Uh, Eight years into the future, same kind of scenario happens where a guy spins out and nails our our vehicle with our whole family in it. And we almost went off a bridge. And uh, man, like my wife would have these physiological reactions based upon a memory of some sort of event from the past that was difficult or distressing. And I think... uh, you know, that's a car accident, right? But there are so many different windows into this, these types of experiences, you know, which I think, uh, I think it'd be good uh, to to consider, man, how does the world understand these kinds of difficult, distressing situations? How do they define trauma, Matt?
0: Yeah, so, um, you know, there's so many different definitions out there. And, um, and, and people have really put their mind to trying to understand the, the, the phenomenon or the phenomenology of the experience of this thing um, that we call trauma. And so, honestly, a lot of the secular literature out there is confusing. Um, so, I took a couple different uh, tacks with it. One, I've, I looked at Merriam Webster, uh, try to get a definition. And their definition is a very difficult or unpleasant experience that causes someone to have mental or emotional problems. And th- dude, that's like stu-
1: super vague, right? Like how, super how helpful is that? Does that actually clarify the
0: experience? I don't, man, I don't know. I well, think it's subjective, right? right? Like okay. if you're, if you're a weightlifter and you say, oh, I lifted a whole lot of weight today and someone else walks up to you and says, well, how much do you lift? Oh, 20 pounds. Right. Yeah. And they're like, well, I just did 200. And so it's, it's all subjective. <clears throat> so a difficult or unpleasant experience. Well, you know, there's a lot of unpleasant experiences that I have on a daily basis. <laughs> yeah, right. uh, and, you know, even just having to talk to people that are unpleasant. So does that mean I'm experiencing trauma? Well, then they go further, right? And they say, causing someone to have mental or emotional problems. Well, how do we define an emotional problem? Am I sad? Well if someone dies, I'm supposed to grieve. I'm supposed to have sorrow. I'm supposed to be emotionally distraught. right So is it a problem if I like it or a problem if I don't like it right So, right. so this definition is difficult.
1: Yeah and, and it doesn't it doesn't include either a physiological response or a spiritual response. Like there is right. a, it's more, there's a wider scope of
0: effect, right? Well, Matt, so what how we this, the how psychologists the, define it? Yeah, I was just about to go there, right? How does the, the modern day soul doctors, I mean, because that's what psychology is, right? The study of the soul. How do they, the secular priests of our world, how do they define uh, trauma? Well, psychology today says that trauma is a person's emotional response to a distressing experience. Man, that, that just can mean anything. Dammit. Yeah, that just it doesn't, doesn't mean dammit. anything. And so the DSM 5 has some criteria for trauma um, or to be uh, diagnosed as having a disorder. And even that is very vague. You have to have so many reoccurring experiences, right? They put it on a timeline. Um, you know, how often do you experience an emotional distress? um and how uh, vivid is that that experience and so uh, unfortunately it's such a vague topic and then we have all the modern pop culture right and how many people make jokes like oh i have ptsd from watching that commercial or i have this or that and and so it's become a joke in many ways and so people who actually struggle um with this this experience can't really figure out a way to to deal with it, right? And we know violence is a a universal human phobia, right? People do not like violence or confrontation. Um, And so everyone experiences it in some level, shape, or form. And then our body essentially keeps a score um, of this. And there's a a book written by a a psychologist, a, a secular guy, who wrote a whole book about how the body keeps a score and really, a wonderful title for such a book, because it is true, our body does remember um, more so than maybe our, our mental thinking. Uh, but Neil, we also have some biblical counselors who have weighed in on the subject. Yeah. And uh, we had a, a good definition that we found from a guy named David uh, Dave Dunham. Did you want to read that? Yeah. Uh, He kind of teases it out. He said, you know,
1: trauma is emotional distress caused by the recurrent tormenting memory of a horrific event that's witnessed or experienced. And we can identify forms of traumatic memory in the lives of war veterans or victims of sexual abuse, domestic violence, serious auto accidents. And it can be associated with emotional and psychological abuse, threats to life or safety, significant forms of intimate betrayal even. Uh, and he offers this. Tra- he says trauma destroys a world, right? Uh, someone's world. And in some sense, it upends an entire way of living. And I think what he's getting at is like the way you do life be is changed, right? Based on the chains of your experience, And he says, because of this complete alteration of life, victims are often overwhelmed by the uprooting of their significant life of purpose or the why, the how, uh, how can this be something beneficial or why did this thing happen? And so, man, victims of these experiences, Dave says, are often searching for that answer um, in their, their quest, right, going forward.
0: So, so from that definition, we see it a lot of the same key elements, right? So we see an emotional response. Uh, we see a, um, a relived experience of it, a traumatic memory. Uh, and, and what we, we want to gain from this or we want to understand is that human beings are created in an intimate and, and unique way. And one of the things that we have is a a response system in our body. Uh, So if you ever have touched something hot, you know your body almost always responds quickly before um, it actually burns you. In the same way, if you're cooking and you burn yourself, you're much more likely to be safe. And that's a a natural response uh, to these things. And um, so as human beings, we have this created response system, we have a, a normal response to um, events. An and so in the same way, situation. exactly. And So uh, a helpful way to understand it is that we have a normal response to an abnormal situation, though, wars and the experience of wars and, and conflict Are sort of more normal than than we would like to admit i think and um we in america have a very sanitized understanding of life Uh, we don't have to really deal with our dead as much you know they get carted away they put in a bag and and get taken to a funeral home but 100 years ago that wasn't the case 200 years ago that wasn't the case uh the dead person would be on the on the table in the kitchen as you you know, prepare him for the, for burial. And, and so death was a part of life. Uh, now when something like death or a, a violent act happens, we're shocked by it, but scripture teaches us a lot um, about trauma. Um, and so I think a more, go ahead, Neil.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. What, what you were going to get to, um, um, the the Bible tells us a lot about trauma. You know, you wrote an article, <clears throat> Matt, maybe we can attach this in the in the show notes um, that I thought was super helpful in the sense of you're saying um, there are terms the Bible uses that describe this phenomenon, right? Uh, terms yeah. like affliction and suffering and despair and so on and so forth. And so, you know, when we're considering things like, Or questions like, well, the Bible doesn't really say anything about trauma. Well, it actually says exhaustively lots of things about it, right? I mean, from the people of Israel being exiled and being brought into slavery and undergoing um, uh, their infant genocide under King uh, Pharaoh, or sorry, the Pharaoh of Egypt. Um, and, And it, you know, Matt, it really reminds me of really a 3000 year old case study I think we can make for this phenomenon of trauma. And that's in the life of King David in Psalm chapter six. And he describes how he's responding to these distressing traumatic events in his life. Like King Saul throwing spears at him, chasing him down, you know, threat of life and safety always. But this is what he says in Psalm six. um, And I'll read six through eight. He says, I'm weary with my moaning. Every night I flood my bed with tears, I drench my couch with my weeping. My eye wastes away because of my grief, and it grows weak because of all my foes. Depart from me all you workers of evil, for the Lord has heard the sound of my weeping, the Lord the Lord has heard my plea, the Lord accepts my prayer, all my enemies should be ashamed and greatly troubled. They shall turn back and be put to shame in, in just a moment. <laughs> and so, you know, King David is is describing, man, this this I, I think these reoccurring memories of this event. This man, I mean, how many times I can tell you I've been asleep at night and had these night terrors and or been brought to great grief over a memory of loss or um or fear. And and I think the Bible is describing our responses that we have these these abnormal res- or these normal responses to an abnormal event in our lives. Right? Uh, it's yeah. and what we mean by abnormal event. <clears throat> just to be clear, is it's something that doesn't happen all the time. It's some. It's like uh, an anomaly in your baseline of life. Right. Mm-hmm. So an event happens, it shakes you to your core, and then you begin to interpret every event going forward through the lens of this experience, and that's the kind of the point David uh, or Dave Dunham was kind of getting at of like searching for the why or the how um, or the purpose uh, of this thing, and and not being able to reimagine your paradigm right based upon what Scripture teaches.
0: Yeah. And, and, you know, that's part of living in a fallen sinful world. And um, a lot of times it's helpful to see that we are a combination of sinners and sufferers. Um, Sin is done to us. And that causes us to respond um, through suffering and also sometimes sinfully. And we do uh, more sin. It's kind of like if someone has been abused as a child, a lot of times they have a a proclivity to abuse um, as well. And so we see that living in a, in a broken sinful world and the Bible speaks to all of life, right? Uh, this is what is so beautiful about scripture is that the Bible does not, um, avoid the hard parts of life, mm-hmm. right? It's not a sanitized rainbows and unicorns. Um, it's, it's life. Uh, you think about Noah, you the, watch these people die in a flood, the whole world destroyed around him. people banging on the side of the boat, screaming for their lives. And he and he he takes that, <laughs> plants a vineyard, waits two years for his you know harvest. Then he goes and ferments his drink and gets drunk. That's how seriously traumatized he was by the event. And then like David, right? We know all the um, things going on in David's life, all the war, all the conflict, all the battle, all the loss that he experienced, fighting lions as a ba- you know as a kid, uh, like just just ridiculous amounts of of suffering. So. When we read this, I don't know if you've noticed, but Neil and I have started changing the language. Instead of saying, using a a clinical term like trauma, which is pretty vague in and of itself, we're saying things like affliction or suffering. Um, and, And as Christians, we understand affliction and suffering come, but they have a purpose, so we'll, we'll get more to, to how to help a non-Christian um, understand the affliction and sufferings that they go through. But for us as Christians, we want to we understand traumatic events and the reoccurring memories and the way our body responds. We want to understand that as an affliction or as suffering. right? Um, so as we think about that, why are we afflicted? Well, I think scripture is very clear. Uh, and so kind of my thesis in those articles was that the afflictions we experience are for the purpose of making us more like Christ. And I know this sounds really hard. It's a hard truth to learn, but it can also provide great comfort. And that's what really, um, encourages me when I go through hard things in my life or when I wake up again with a night terror or my body responds, um, to an explosive sound, maybe a yeah. balloon popping. And I get tensed up and I get, uh, you know, a little uh, on edge Right. I say, you know, God has a purpose. And so, um, Romans eight twenty eight through 29, uh, is kind of the, the passage I use a lot, not just for, um, trauma, but also for just any type of affliction or suffering. And so this is what it says. So as we know, That all things work together for the good of those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. Now, everybody grabs their coffee mug, stamps a, a, a poster on it, and carries it around like some kind of trophy. But I think what we do is we miss the whole point of that passage when we do that. So remember, it says those who love God, who are called according to his purpose. So this is to Christians. Yep. And then verse twenty nine says, "For those he foreknew, he also predestined." And now everybody's freaking out, thinking about theology, right? What does it mean to be foreknown and predestined? And they start having theological arguments. And I think we miss it again because can, it says,
1: "Yeah." Just give a, a b- very brief definition of the word predestinate, predestined.
0: Well, before it, you do, okay. Before you do, let me finish this that this part of the the verse. To be conformed to the image of his son, and that's what I wanted to hone in on. Go ahead and tell me what, what you mean by predestined. Yeah, uh, it's
1: a it's a it's a famous difficult word that just means destined beforehand. <laughs> <laughs> and so, what that what the connotation of this right for for your your main point uh, of this is to be conformed to the image of the son, right, Christ Jesus, is that yeah. man God has purpose beforehand that this would produce in you Christ-likeness.
0: That's yes. That's the how. This is how he works all this. This is so mind-blowing. Yes. I mean, this is – if we understand uh, a post-traumatic stress or trauma or the affliction or suffering, and we understand it from the lens of why, why is this happening, we're interpreting it, if it's to make me more like Christ – Man, I want to embrace it. Yeah, I want to kiss the rock or kiss the wave that throws me against the rock of ages, as yeah. Spurgeon would have said. Right? Amen. We we kiss the rod that is disciplining us, um, and this is what maturity looks like. We understand that the trauma, the difficulties, the afflictions, the sufferings that we go through in life are to increase our capacity. Uh, by conforming us to the image of Christ. Mm. We, are, we have a greater capacity to enjoy and know Christ through this. Mm. And the more we are created or we are being conformed to the image of the Son is so that Christ can be glorified even more in our lives. That's right. And so yeah. it, th- this is not an easy uh, thing to grasp. But And if you read this whole passage in Romans Paul talks about considering that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing to the uh, comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us, and so as he continues to develop this thought that we are, have an eternal weight of glory that we are uh, approaching, and God is conforming us into the image of the Son so that we can be able to enjoy it, um, and you know the Puritans were really good about this. They talk about stamping eternity on their eyeballs, um, having a, a, a future perspective about what is unseen, the things that are to come. And so, you know, the, the person who is having reoccurring night terrors um, or panic attacks or um, their body is just acting in weird ways. Yeah. If you are a believer, if, if you have been um, called according to his purpose, then you have been predestined for this conformity to the image of his son. right? Um, and it's not, you know, no discipline is pleasant at the time. We know that. But this is a, a forming us into likeness. And then we can have a greater capacity to enjoy him. Hmm. Uh, you know, think about this, Neil. If, if you um, had the option, let's say that you've been diagnosed with cancer, and we've talked about that in some of our previous episodes. Who would you rather have as your doctor? A young guy who just graduated doctor school, you know, as a surgeon or your, whatever, the, whatever the, the special term is for a cancer doctor, or would you want that old guy who's experienced the same cancer himself and is walking with you through this and says, hey, when you take this chemo, this is what's going to happen. You're going to feel like this. this is, he knows from experience what it's like to go through chemotherapy, to go through surgery. Whereas the young doctor, with all the knowledge, doesn't. And that's what we see with Christ. That's right. As we go through the pain and suffering of getting the cancer removed, the sin in our lives, and the afflictions that are forming us into the image of Christ, Christ can walk with us. Because guess what? Christ bears the trauma of the cross on his body today right? He has the holes in his hands. He has the hole in his side. He was mocked and abused and shamed. And, and, and all that was all the guilt of us was thrown on him. And so those who are experiencing trauma, Neil, um, a suffering and affliction, sometimes we have things like grief that we have to deal with. Sometimes there's things like shame and guilt, Yep. right and and we see um, we see this in both um, you know sexual abuse cases and also in um, post-traumatic stress that folks that, that have experienced um, these afflictions are feel guilty um, whether it's a justified guilt or an unjustified guilt they feel uh, guilt and shame what do we do with that yeah that's usually this
1: uh, idea of if I would have just, Right, mm-hmm. then, then this, right? It's a condition based on uh, not an absolute, but an assumption, uh, not a truth, but a um, a vague alternate reality. Um, it reminds me of a, a good friend who uh, was wrestling with the death of a of a uh, brother in arms, and uh, basically he was he was benched, and the other guy went out on this patrol, and because of that in his mind that's the reason why this individual passed away and not him and and the reality is we are not all knowing and we're not infinitely wise and you know i just matt for the christian we can we can rest in the character and nature of god because we cannot see a full picture but we can fully trust the one who does see the full picture, who has a plan for everything. And you know, back to the the how, right? Uh, like you said in Romans eight twenty eight and twenty nine. Like all I know at the end of the day, even though I can't make sense of the the maybe the evil event or the what seemed like a pointless event or or whatever else that I experienced. What I can stand firm in is that God has purpose for it and he's doing something with it. It's not for naught. And Matt, this is really key for us because it's only in the Christian worldview that there is purpose for suffering, purpose for affliction or purpose for trauma. You know, in Romans 5, Matt, 1 through 5, we kind of get this. Almost like Paul's making a statement of post-traumatic growth, right? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. is is a phrase we like to use a lot. And he says this, Therefore, since we've been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. That's what Matt was talking about with the Puritans stamping eternity on their eyeballs, right? But then Paul gets practical. He says not only that not only this eternal perspective y'all but we rejoice in our sufferings knowing this is this is a knowledge that we can grasp right knowing that suffering produces what does it produce endurance and endurance produces character and character produces hope and hope does not put us to shame because god's love has been poured into our hearts through the holy spirit has been given to us. I think it's very common to have this reaction as a believer against God when we endure uh, a um, affliction, a serious affliction or hardship um, to say like, man, like to God has abandoned me. He doesn't love me. Um, There's no purpose to this. It's the worst possible thing. And so I shake my fist at God instead of realizing, no, he does love me. He in the evidence of that love is that is Christ and the Holy Spirit that who's been poured into my heart to seal me into eternity. Um, And not only that, man, the Holy Spirit is producing something in us, he's sanctifying us, he's producing a hope that cannot be put to shame. So if I'm dealing with shame from a survivor's guilt or other things, um, man, this hope discards your shame. Um, It kind of reminds, you know, when I was deployed, Matt, uh, during that deployment, my wife and I lost our first baby. And my response in that moment was, I don't want nothing to do with you, God, because I can't make sense of this and you must not Mm -hmm. love me. And so, you know, if I take that moment of rebellion and a, um, a renouncing of who I believe God to be. And I fast forward three years uh, to a moment where um, by looking to my own strength and my own purpose and the world's wisdom to solve the problem of my heart, what it produced in me was destruction. Like Romans 8 talks about living by the flesh, we die according to the flesh. Yeah. Yeah. It produced destruction. And then what happened to me was I came across Romans chapter 8. And I remember reading verse 28, Matt, for the first time and going, how? (laughs) How is this good? How is losing a child good? How is losing friends good? How is um, a broken marriage good? good like how is this working to good because it only seems like it's working to against me right and then in that moment you know what i realized matt i realized that destruction was being produced out of my heart because i was the one with the reins in my mind and i was being brought low the the heavy the the mighty hand of God was on me and it was humbling, Uh, but it was close, and so in that moment I realized, man, like a work of God, is that there is good, because a work of Neil is only bad and evil, man. I look back down at at you know the summit that I've climbed right, and I see destruction, and I see a Lord who levitated me to the top of the summit, (laughs) you know? Uh, And so as I look ahead across the horizon, what do I see now based on what I know about God? And I see a, uh, uh, I see a victory. I see, I see peace. I see hope and I see purpose. And, and this is the crux right for the believer uh, who has endured affliction is their purpose. Well, the Bible unequivocally says yes. And this purpose is to make you like Jesus. And you think about what is the character of Christ? Like, how would you describe the character of Christ, Matt? Or beyond perfect. Yeah. What fruit of the Holy Spirit is
0: produced in us? Yeah, love, joy, peace. Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Apart from a work of God, that is outside of our reach.
1: Totally unattainable. And so when we're talking about trauma or affliction or suffering, right? Like you can stand in the reality that God is producing something greater in your heart that you cannot produce. You know, Ephesians 2 8-10 through reminds us of this reality when Paul uh, explains it this way. Inspired by the Holy Spirit, he says this, um, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing, but it is a gift of God, not as a result of work so that no one can boast, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works. Which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You know, Matt. When I look back, <laughs> the the how is God doing this for good? And I think about what I do today in biblical counseling, in working with mighty oaks, in ministering to active duty and veterans. If I don't go through that stuff back then, I have no leg to stand on, no ethos to minister to these people who need someone who's walked that ground, you know, it's impossible. And so God wins glory all the time for himself.
0: And, and that is for our good, you know? And if, if God doesn't work all things for good, bad things for good, then there is no salvation. That's right. As you look at the cross, one of the most evil examples is the creator, Jesus as creator, crucified on a cross, right? Uh, And we think about the, the fact that Jesus caused the tree to grow that was later used to crucify him, that he didn't forbid the babies from being born that were later the Roman soldiers that mocked him. He uh, he made the hills that they mined the iron from that was later used to be nailed into his hands. I mean, the the reality is like all these things look like disaster. Uh, you know, Sunday. Uh, you know, what is it? Friday dead, Sunday risen, right? Like the the reality. And so God uses these evil things. In fact, He purposes them. Yeah. He's planned it since the beginning of creation, before creation. It says he predestined this plan. He had a destination in mind for all of this. Hmm. And so we can, we can have incredible hope, not pleasant, while we go through it. right? This is, we're not saying that we're some kind of, uh, we're enjoying the pain. But what we are saying is that we know we have a greater hope than the temporal things that we are watching and seeing happen to us today. Uh, So in those moments, we know Christ is with us. That's right. There's a transcendent
1: perspective, a long game perspective. The Christian has the ability
0: to have. Yes, absolutely. I think we uh, might have gotten disconnected. So uh, I'll end us here. And thank you for listening to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline. Neil and Matt, we out.